This is Podco Media Networks. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Ed Everts. I'm the founder of Excellius Leadership Development. You can find us at www.excellius.com. And welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast designed to help you take the next step at your workplace. And whether it's something that needs to be said that you haven't said or something that you need to do that you haven't done, we're here to talk with business professionals, business leaders, celebrities, people who have experienced bravery in the workplace and learn from them about things they thought about when taking the next step and doing the next thing in the workplace that helped their careers progress. Oftentimes, people need to take the next step. They need to say something or do something, and they just don't know how to do it. And we're hoping that the stories that you listen to on the podcast can help influence you to make great progress. A boss of mine I used to work with used to tell me on a repeated basis that progress is more important than perfection. And oftentimes we would get so caught up in trying to make things perfect, we'd never take the next step. And she taught us that sometimes taking the next step and then cleaning up a little bit afterwards, the things that didn't go exactly as planned, often helped us make great progress. And so today I'm really thrilled to be joined by a great longtime radio personality, somebody that I've listened to on the radio for a number of years. And he also is now a new podcaster, which I hope we'll hear all about. Please help me welcome Hank Morris. Hi, Hank. Hey, Ed. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for listening when I was employed. I do appreciate that. (laughs) Not that I'm not employed now. I am. I'm just employed in a different fashion. You are. So tell us a little bit about your new podcasting career. Well, back in June, after 21 years at a fairly successful radio show called the Lorna Wally Show, which was on in Boston for 38 years. Wow. And I was on that show for part of 21. They decided that we were no longer going to have a show, despite the fact that we were number two, 25 to 54 year olds in the Boston market. And we were only a tenth of a percentage point out of number one. They decided, well, we don't need these guys anymore, at least two of us. So suddenly, three weeks after I had said to my wife, wow, this is the best our show has sounded in three years. I feel really great about the show. Apparently, the powers that be didn't feel that great. So I found myself out of work and scratching my head thinking, geez, what am I going to do now? And I would say in my life, if there was one word to describe me, I'm a storyteller. Not all my stories are great, but I have a lot of them. Some of them are good, some of them aren't, and then you know there are a couple in between. So as I sat back, I was a little sour about the way the radio thing had ended, but it also came at a time when things in legacy media, you look at what happened to the newspaper business. Now, the newspaper business, very few people now get the newspaper on the front porch or at their local convenience store or on your desk at work. Everything's digital, right? And people say, well... The newspaper business, it's dying. I always looked at the fact that, no, the newspaper business isn't dying. The delivery system is dying. It's delivered differently. You don't physically get it in paper now. It comes electronically or digitally. So I said with my radio career, not that I didn't want to go on with it because I love it. I don't regret a single thing that happened to me, good or bad, in that industry. But it forced me to take a step back and look to the future of radio. Now, 92% of people over the age of 18 use radio on a regular basis, whether it's commuting to work, from work, 
at home, enjoyment, out for a walk. It's still a well-used, well-regarded medium. But people do use it differently. The smartphone has changed the entire world. Just like your desktop computer, your laptop, iPads, whatever you have. I mean, the digital world, let's face it, it changes the way we use things. But there was a great song, Video Killed the Radio Star. Well, that didn't happen. And cable TV didn't kill network television. They still exist. They just exist in different ways. So I was kind of forced to take a step back and say, okay, what are my skills? I'm somebody who's very inquisitive. I've been in the radio business for 34, 35 years. I still think I'm pretty good at it, but things are changing. And I had done a podcast for the radio station that I worked at, and it was more like a once a week type thing. And I thought, well, podcasts are really exploding. Really, anybody that has access to digital anything, digital equipment can have a podcast. So I said, let me start thinking about that. So I did. And I had a friend, legendary sportscaster, Bob Lobel. If you live in the Boston area, Bob sure. had been on for 40 years, had been in the Boston market and was, you know, at one time offered the top job at CBS that Jim Nance still occupies. That was a job they offered Bob and he decided he wanted to stay in Boston. Yeah, he's a legend in the local market. He really is. And that coincided with Mike Lynch stepping back at Channel 5 just within the last few months. He's only working part-time. He and Bob were the two biggest sportscasters in New England, really. So I was friendly with Bob, and I knew Mike a little bit, but he was close friends with my friend Dan Shaughnessy, the great writer for the Boston Globe, who also had worked with me in the radio business. And he said, why don't you call Lynch? So I got in touch with those guys. I knew Bob was in, but had to try and convince Mike. And being that they're TV guys, you know, the radio thing they've done in the past, but that wasn't their main thing. And podcasting was this new thing. Okay, what's podcasting? And it's storytelling, and they're great storytellers. So we now do a podcast. It's called Loby Lynchy and Friends with Hank Morse Podcast. And we sit down once a week, and we'll talk the New England Patriots, current events. We'll talk Bruins, Celtics, Red Sox. But we'll also talk about the stories in the past and try and relate them to current events, whether it's comparing these New England Patriots and talking about what things were like before they were this great dynasty. They were this horrific franchise that was kind of the laughingstock of the NFL, and now they're held up on a pedestal. So we go back and we tell old stories, and it's been very, very refreshing because radio, commercial radio anyway, unlike NPR, talk radio could be long format, having longer interviews and discussions. You know, commercial radio is pretty much short format. If you can do it in five minutes, they tell you to do it in four, make it shorter, make it funny. Right. You have time to breathe in a podcast. So we tell stories, we have a great time, we have a lot of laughs, and we've gotten great feedback. And the one thing about Bostonians and New Englanders, A, they love history. So we go back and we talk sports history, and they like current events. And in the sports world, we try and meld them together. So, so far, so good. And uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're on iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, and talk about different delivery systems. Sometimes you've had to teach people, okay, I'd love to listen to your podcast. How do I find it? So tell us the name of the podcast once again, Hank. The podcast is called Loby Lynchy and Friends with Hank Morse Podcast. Fantastic. Well, best of luck on that front. And you know, something happened to you in this transition that has happened to thousands of listeners in their career, which is getting laid off or let go from a place of employment that is surprising or unexpected. 
and finding themselves in a world that they didn't anticipate being in. As you think back on those days, and I know for you, this is still somewhat recent, where did bravery kick in? What do you think you needed to do differently that required bravery in order to transition to your next career? It's kind of funny as I thought about bravery. Sometimes bravery, you think it's a brave thing to do, but it doesn't turn out well. And sometimes you think a lack of bravery, well, I should have opened my mouth. Sometimes that's the best scenario. And sometimes, believe it or not, they're interchangeable. In my first incarnation in the radio business, I started as an intern at a radio station when I was 18 years old. I was there until I was 32. I started as a freshman in college. And by the time I left, I was married. I had two children. I owned a home, three cars, and had a new mortgage. And suddenly, after nearly 14 years, there was a big change in ownership and management, and I lost my job. And at one of those times, I thought I was being brave by standing up to the guy who had been my mentor, really. And to this day, even though I'm 150% sure that I was correct in standing up to him, and it was brave on my part, it wasn't necessarily the best career move. So I learned early on, that kind of expedited my transition from that position. And I look back and I say, wow, I was really, really brave. But in the end, it cost me my job. So am I glad I said it? Yes. We had a disagreement. He spoke to me in a fashion that I didn't think was very appropriate in the workplace then, nor would it be now. And I let that person know in no uncertain terms that I'm not your 18-year-old intern anymore, and you're not going to talk to me like that. Not all bravery are huge, momentous steps. Sometimes it can be very small statements, very small actions or behaviors on your part that you know need to be said or done, and you find the bravery amongst other behaviors to do it. And other times it takes bravery to not do it and not say or not do something that you think needs to be said and done. So sometimes it's really big, big stuff. And we've heard that on the podcast today. And sometimes it's smaller statements or behaviors or comments that can lead us down paths that sometimes we didn't anticipate. It's funny, when I transitioned, I was lucky because I came from a radio group that was very well respected. And three days after I lost my job, I got a call from someone and I ended up with another job. I didn't start for six weeks, but I transitioned rather easily to another job. And it was a great growth opportunity. And I went to work for the legendary Lauren and Wally radio show. Along the way, they flipped a format and I got to work on 96.9, which was a talk station. And I got to do the news locally during the Imus in the Morning show. And then I got to work as one of the co-hosts on Mike Barnacle's show, who was a legendary columnist of the Boston Globe, still works on MSNBC on Morning Joe, and guy that who's not only been great to myself and my family, but I've learned a lot about, and he's had some troubles, and I've learned a lot watching how he dealt with things. And I had a great run. And, you know, I worked, there was five radio stations and I worked on three of them at one time. And so I had great exposure. I was working with legends in the business. And on the Lauren Wally show about three years ago, one of the two radio legends, Wally Bryan, retired. Mm -hmm. So he stepped back. Although he made recurring appearances, I believe. Yes, he did. He did. He would still come back every couple of months over a couple year period. And, you know, we went through some growing pains. We struggled for a time because when you lose somebody like that, who's so instrumental to the show, it's like, okay, how do the rest of us step up? And we really weren't going to fill or replace Wally, but we had to change the complexity of the show a little bit. And we went through some growing pains. When the show had finally evolved to the point where Wally had now been gone for two and a half years and the ratings were really great, as great as they had been in in 15 years and feeling good, a lot of positive momentum, you know, a couple of different things came into play. 
One was one of the co-hosts had an expiring contract that was a pretty big contract. And also the station had been sold and there were some, over a two-year period, there had been some management changes. And we had had one within three or four months of the show being canceled. But everything pointed in the right direction. The ratings were great. We thought the product we were putting on the air every morning was really terrific. They were making a lot of money doing it. And all of a sudden, one day they called me in and said, hey, listen, we're making a change here on the morning show. There's a bit of a philosophical difference or just a philosophical change in the way the show is going to be going forward. And that was going to be my last day. Four days later, they canceled the show and it was no longer going to be. And Lauren Owens was out of a job too. Guy's a radio legend, one of the best in the country ever. So all of a sudden, I went from three weeks, like I mentioned, telling my wife, I think this is the best the show has sounded since Wally retired, to, uh-oh, I've got some time. I've got some time off. What am I going to do now? So one of the things that I did learn about this, and I was there for 21 years, there were some growing pains during those struggles. And I kind of kept my mouth shut at the time, feeling a couple different reasons. Radio has gotten to the point where you know, the challenges with other digital options. Now you get into your car, you can listen to the radio, you can listen to your smartphone, you can download a podcast, you can listen to just the music, you can stream music, a lot of different choices. And there are a lot of different challenges. And I still believe so much in local radio, and I still do. And it was very, very good. However, at the time, I started to have some difficulty in the workplace, but financially, I was doing well. I had two daughters in college. And it was a time I really needed to get through because there aren't a lot of options. The numbers of jobs in radio are probably, you know, they're probably a third of the number of jobs as there were when I get into the business 30 some odd years ago. There are a lot of awfully talented people in the Boston market and other major markets who are unemployed because they have just cut, cut, cut. And technology is so good, they can use it to their advantage in terms you can have your full-time people voice track weekend shows. So you don't actually need live people on the air. So there's been a lot of contraction. So there weren't a lot of options for me. On top of the fact I was under contract, I couldn't talk to anybody anyway. So I had to keep my mouth shut. And it was very, very frustrating at times. And in the end, I lost my job. The upside was one of my daughters was able to graduate college. I have another daughter still in college, but I got through that. So I wasn't as brave there as I would have liked to have been in opening my mouth. But at the same time, it took some courage to keep my mouth, my big mouth shut in order to achieve one of those goals. And that was getting through that stretch when I had two kids in college. Sure. So when you think back, Hank, to either that period of time or even more recently, are there any ways that you think about describing bravery in the workplace? I mean, when you think about bravery in the workplace and you were a live performer for a number of years. And so you are live right in the moment. And I'm not dead yet, Ed. You're not dead yet. But, you know, as a (laughs) radio personality, you were a live performer. What words or phrases come to mind when you think about describing or defining bravery in the workplace? You know, sometimes it takes bravery to look outside of your comfort zone. That's what I've really found. You'll hear a lot of people say that you need to learn to be uncomfortable in order to grow. And I don't like that. I like familiarity. I'm not good at change. But I've been forced to change and I'm trying to embrace it because if I had been honest with myself and taken a step back and looked and said, okay, now I'm into my 50s. Here I am financially. Where am I going to be? There's a lot of contraction in my industry. Mm -hmm. Why should I think that even though we're doing very well right now, 
why should I think that, well, we are doing well, I'm exempt to it. You're never, ever exempt. They traded Babe Ruth. They traded Bobby Orr. They traded Wayne Gretzky. They weren't exempt. So, you know, I'm Hank Morris, Medford, Massachusetts. Why should I be exempt from future change? Because I think we're still doing well. Well, the dynamics have changed. And the bottom line is they replaced me with something else and our show with another show. You're always replaceable. But when you're doing well, financially and otherwise, sometimes you get into a comfort zone. My failure was trying to look from the outside in, stepping beyond myself to look at the industry, look where I was personally and professionally, age-wise, financially, where I fit into the picture. Because sometimes you know, you'll price yourself out of a job. That happens to a lot of people when they're in, in their 50s. I have a few friends that it's happened to. But I should have taken a step back and really spent the time and done due diligence to say, okay, what's this industry going to look like in five years? And forget myself, somebody with my credentials, where do I see fitting into what's going forward? And I probably would have come to the realization earlier that, hey, you know what? I may not be long for this industry. The years when people work you know, on a radio station for 35, 40 years, they're starting to go away. Right. And just like the newspaper business has changed, the radio business has changed too. So that was a mistake that I made. Luckily, I've out of necessity and part of it, it, it's scary because I'm not making the money that I was. Luckily, one of my daughters, my daughter has graduated school and she's out and she's working. So I don't have that big bill. You know, we had three new cars. I turned one in. Instead of buying a new car, I bought a used car. I dialed it down. So, you know, I don't need to make as much money as I did before for the time being. And it's forced me to explore other things that I like. And so, you know, I'm involved in podcasting. I do a podcast with a buddy of mine, Bob Duraney, one of the all-time great women's college and professional hockey coaches. We do a women's hockey podcast called From the Point Women's Hockey Podcast. And then I, you know, I produce a podcast for another company called The Big Dig, buildup.com, the website. And it's about the commercial and real estate development trade in the city of Boston. So I've been forced to get out and learn to use editing software that I've never used before. I've taken on an expanded role with social media. And I've learned a lot of different things that if I look back, I said, I should have learned these five years ago, but I didn't. But now I know them. And that's part of the excitement of the growth and the challenge and the discomfort that I talked about. Right. Well, listen, Hank, thank you so much for sharing your story with our listeners today. And I think the big takeaway for me is that when you're met with an unexpected change, you really have to look at your assets and reevaluate what you do and how you do it. And in some ways, reinvent yourself so that you can continue on in a highly successful way. So we wish you the best of luck with your multiple podcasting opportunities. And thank you again for your time today. Ed, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, listeners, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Be Brave at Work. And we hope you tune in next Monday for our next episode. Have a great week.